Hello, and welcome to the season finale of Flushing Transit Authority, uh, the Mets podcast that is still mathematically in the hunt for the wild card. Uh, I am, as ever, Jay Bushman, and I'm here with my co-host, Will Stegman. Hello, Jay. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Back from assignment? Did you dig up any good double-A uh, flamethrowers? Oh, my God. I found a plethora. <laughs> a of, plethora of flamethrowers. Double-A relievers <laughs> who will probably not impact the big club for a long time, but there's no reason we shouldn't trade some big chips for them. Nice. Well, we all got to find our hope somewhere. Um... Before we uh, jump into the uh, the meat of the episode, though, we do want to take a second to uh, send our thoughts and hopes to everyone uh, in Puerto Rico that is uh, dealing with the aftermath of uh, Hurricane Maria, especially in light of the lack of help that they're getting from uh, the, the big Cheeto. Um, and uh, I specifically wanted to call out, um, uh, there's, uh, I have a, a friend, um, uh, Javi, uh, Javi Grigio Marks Watch, who's a, a TV writer producer here in LA. And Javi is uh, from Puerto Rico. And he made a great post on his website um, highlighting a couple of specific organizations in Puerto Rico that can use your help and your donations. And these are places where your donations will go directly to the people of Puerto Rico. Uh, on the ground, there's no like overhead. There's no big like Red Cross style, you know, bureaucracy that needs to take take a sliver. So we're gonna um, add a link to um, Javi's post in the show notes. Um, and please take a look and pick one of these organizations and send something because things are really dire down there. You know, and if you're a Mets fan, uh, remember that the Mets have had a a long history of um, pitching in. At times like this, yes, um, and they are doing so with um, Hurricane Maria, just the way they did um, back in Houston last month. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never, I almost never say this, but be like the Mets. <laughs> yes, do what you can, and if you can't, um, doesn't have any money. If you have money, give money. If you can spread the word, spread the word. Um, the people of Puerto Rico need all of the help they can get right now. Um, you know, it makes something like baseball seem insignificant. Um, so just please take a look, spread the word, do what you can. All right. So let's move on from uh, real world tragedies to um, baseball tragedies. Oh, and we have a lot. This is <laughs> this has been a, a William Faulkner novel of a season. You know, Jay, but first, um, we should throw in a... We have some corrections to make. Um, you know, it's been a while. We've gone a couple of weeks here where we pretty much nailed it. <laughs> I gotta say, your interview uh, that you did while I was on assignment was terrific. Oh, thanks. Uh, thank fine. you so much for doing that. Um, I loved the the Dom Smith reveal. <laughs> if you haven't listened to the previous episode, go back. There's a reveal right at the top, <laughs> which is terrific. Um, but you know what? I went back and listened back to our premiere uh, first full episode. Oh, that's never a good idea. Don't, <sighs> don't look back. I, I looked back. In the immortal words of Satchel Page, don't look back, something might be gaining on yes. you. Yes. That would be amended in 2017 <laughs> to don't look back, you may have said something embarrassing. So I realized that I specifically um, made a couple of mistakes in our first episode. No, I don't, bl- I don't believe that. Yes. I, I, believe it or not. One was I... Predicted that the Mets would go 162 and 0. Now oh, yeah. I later amended that to 161 and 1. 
Turns out, I was wrong. Uh, what 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 is the final record going to be this year? It's going to be uh, like almost the inverse. It's going to be like three and one hundred and fifty nine, right? I think they're three and one hundred and fifty nine. Um, although I looked at the standings the other day, um, so that big E in the uh, yeah in the uh, games back column. Um, let's see. As of this recording, it is Saturday, uh, September thirtieth. Thirtieth. Um, the Mets play today, they play tomorrow. Uh, they have a chance to win as many as 72 games this year. Oof. If they win the last two games of the year. But hey, you know what? That's all academic. We've got a 90-loss season. Um, I was wrong. Now, there was a prediction that I was correct on. Just want to pat myself on the okay. back. I did say that the Mets would have um, two 30 home run outfielders, I'm sorry, play starters, mm-hmm. um, Jay Bruce being one. The catch was he didn't hit all 30 of those as a Met. Now, I also predicted that Lucas Duda would hit 30 home runs. Last I checked, he was in the high 20s. Maybe he could knock a couple over the fence this weekend. I'll be two for two in that one. All right, Lucas, you got your marching orders. But I will be wrong in every other regard. Um, what a What a grind of a disappointing season. And then my other really wrong prediction was I had predicted earlier this year that the Washington Nationals would be kicked out of the league. Oh, that's right. I didn't specify why. Mm-hmm. Just thought by league conscience, the other organizations would say, you guys, get out of here. Turns out, not happening. Now, I think that there's some sort of secret government stuff going on here. <laughs> they are the Washington Nationals. You know. There's I don't know. I, 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 I think none of us really believe in anything in Washington being done effectively like nope. that at this point. I will say there was some late-breaking news yesterday or this morning about um, uh, Dusty Baker did an interview in which he revealed that he has a friend who is a member of, I think, the Cheyenne tribe who has been uh, burning sage for the rehabilitation of Bryce Harper's mm-hmm. knee. Hmm. So the Nationals maybe have some mystical um, okay. backup. Um, I'm more inclined to believe that at this moment than I am that, you know, something in the government is helping them. Probably right. The government doesn't help anyone these days. No. That would explain why I saw somebody registered um, the name, the Washington Shaman (laughs) dot com uh, slash MLB. Yeah. Whatever works. Whatever works. And and I think if there's a if there's a theme uh, to wrap around uh, our entire season here is that nothing worked. No, you know what? Let's just give credit where it's due. We managed to show up on time every two weeks. Oh, we did. We're for great. I'm just I'm I, I'm more looking at the Mets as a as an organization as a as a group, and I think this is a great uh, moment to segue into. I think what is the the biggest news of the week in Mets land? This um this really really blistering article uh, that Mark Currie, uh published in Newsday a couple of days ago, sort of ripping the lid off of what things are uh, like in the clubhouse uh, and in the front office in, in the Mets organization. Yeah, I've been reading sort of Mets newspaper coverage for, I don't know, 35 years now, um, and specifically Newsday coverage, because I grew up on Long Island, and Newsday was my daily paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was the first thing I read. Um, this is probably the harshest article um, I've ever read about the Mets' sort of inner workings. 
Um, and that's saying a lot. That is saying a lot. But I will I will say what I what I appreciate about this article is we've read a lot of really harsh criticism of the Mets over these thirty five years, but they're almost always in the New York Post kind of aggrieved. Um, entitled tone of like, I can't believe what these idiots are doing and this is so embarrassing and wrong. Mark Carrig is a fabulous journalist and this is a really well-written article where his opinion is not there at all. He's just reporting right. what he's being told. And I saw I saw a tweet from him um, yesterday where he said, this story started not because he went to go uh, digging for dirt, was he just started talking to people and asking the question, what do you think happened this season? What went wrong? And all of this stuff spilled out. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, again, having read these for a long time, um, I was shocked is the wrong word because we've talked all year. Like, what is the clubhouse dynamic? Has Terry lost the club? Um, Terry, obviously, I'm referring to Terry Collins. I, I don't want to be too familiar because it's not like we know <laughs> each other. But we've talked a long time about, like, what is, you know, who's running the show here? And Mark Riggs' article quoted um, a number of anonymous sources um, who basically say, you know, Terry's lost the clubhouse, he's mismanaged the bullpen, and he, the only reason he still has a job is because Fred Wilpon intervened. Now, the most sort of cutting quote and the whole thing for me is when they're talking about Terry Collins' use of the um, bullpen arm, specifically Jerry Blevins. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, Mark Carrig, quotes a an unnamed source as saying, once he loves you, he destroys you. <laughs> Which is the most cutting, like, wow, I just, I was floored by that. Isn't that the Mets in a nutshell? Just, yes. Can you describe our entire experience with this team and this fandom as love paired with destruction. Right. If, you know, if there was, if the Mets, you know, let's kick out the, the old saw meet the Mets, mm-hmm. you know, standard and just play love will tear us apart <laughs> at the beginning of every Mets broadcast. Yeah, that could work. That could work. I could see that. Um, I was, I was partly, I have to confess, partly my um, reaction to this article was relief because these are the Mets I recognize. Yeah. And it's and it was a it was an interesting reminder that the past few years have actually been pretty good. Right. Because this is this kind of crap we've dealt with year in, year out for as long as I can remember. Oh, there's always sniping in the front office. There's always stuff that's being litigated in the media. And and we've really had a refreshing lack of that for a few years. So this is this is a reversion to form. What it says to me, and I, I agree with you there, like, oh, this is comfortable, <laughs> you know. Cue the, you know, yeah. the, this is fine, <laughs> um, you know, uh, image here. The sort of like the thing that struck me as I'm reading this is, oh, the Mets were successful in 2015 and 2016 in spite of their management, not because of it. And we've talked a lot about what, um, what positive impact does a manager have? And I've always been of the belief that a manager's positive impact is minimal, mm-hmm. but a manager's negative impact can be tremendous. And I feel as if um, with the veteran leadership gone from the team, 
with David Wright mm-hmm. sidelined all year, with um, Lucas Duda being traded, with Curtis Granderson being traded. Even though Jay Bruce was only on the team for a season, he's gone. Yeah. Um, when your leader becomes 25-year-old Michael Conforto, mm-hmm. um, who then is injured, yeah. there's no focal point for this team, and it's just been a swirling mass of negativity. You know, losing does that, but in a lot of ways, this confirms a lot of suspicions of Mets fans, Yeah, which is Terry Collins is Terry Collins. Terry Collins is a good soldier. Terry Collins is a good quote. Everybody wants to like Terry because yeah. he'll, he'll tell you the truth as far as he knows it. But at the end of the day, Terry Collins does a poor job um, of connecting with players and keeping the clubhouse together. This is what impacted him in his previous spots. This is why he's a good behind-the-scenes guy. Right. And you know, in retrospect, it may be it may be important that Terry spent seven years as a roving minor league instructor in the Mets system mm-hmm. to develop relationships with a lot of players, so that when he took over as manager, he had already built those relationships. Now a lot of those people are gone, and there are new people, and maybe it just takes him longer to build those relationships um, than he has time for. Now I will say this. Let's not crucify Terry Collins. Um, He got the team to a World Series. He made the postseason two years in a row. Um, He's a better manager than I will ever be. (laughs) I'm gonna let's. I'm not saying that I can do this job better. Um, Terry Collins, his time as Mets manager has run out. That doesn't mean I think Terry Collins is a bad person or that he's necessarily done a bad job. It was pretty clear that they weren't going to bring him back before this article came out, mm-hmm. but, um, and this is, you know, I think I saw, um, I think Gary and Keith were talking about this in the telecast the other night about how, um, Terry was gone anyway. Like, like that was pretty much a foregone conclusion, but this is the resurgence of a really, really bad thing that happens all the time for the Mets, which is when people are on the way out. They get dumped on. Yeah, this and goes back. It's kind to, of embarrassing. This goes back to Tom Seaver. Yeah, like yeah, Tom Seaver got you know dumped on and run out of town. Part of it is that it's New York and that it's the New York media market and that there are so many more outlets than everywhere else. Part of it is, I think, just the adversarial nature of our of our culture. Um, but I have, can I can I share with you my sure, my yeah. cons- my conspiracy theory, my Game of Thrones like like read the moves behind the moves sort of uh, um, analysis of this. I think that this whole thing is Jeff Wilpon starting to move his dad out. Interesting. I mean, Fred Wilpon is now in his early 80s. Yes. Um, Makes sense um, if, you know, Jeff is pulling a power play to sort of maybe... Maybe Jeff is behind some of these media reveals. I don't know. But what it does tell me is that, as you said earlier, this is same old Mets. Yes. This is... This is an organizational culture. Yes. It's an organizational culture that doesn't do a good job of paying respect to people who have contributed to the organization and will pull the rug out from under those people 
when it benefits them to do so. This is the will. This is the Will Pond legacy, and it remains to be seen whether or not, if and when Jeff Will Pond takes over full time, whether or not he continues his father's legacy, or he has learned something and will change the culture. And it's possible that he feels at this point he doesn't have enough control mm-hmm. to change the culture. Um, I don't know. I'm of the opinion that the Mets will continue to be the Mets as long as the Wilpons own the team. Yes. Um, there is just a sort of organizational failure from the top down. And it's it's implemented... You can see it in how they've handled Terry Collins. Terry Collins, even if the Mets lost every game this season, Terry Collins was still your manager for seven seasons, took you to a World Series, made the postseason two years in a row. He was only the second Mets manager to ever do... Actually... Mm-hmm. Is he the first Mets manager to ever do that? No, Bobby Valentine did it. Second Mets manager to ever take you to postseason two years in a row. How do you not at least put a message on the scoreboard? Yeah. Last game of the year. Yeah, you know, I actually really noticed that. I was watching the game on, I forget what day it was, that was the last game at home. Mm -hmm. And generally, every year, the last home game, when the game is over, no matter what's happened... The players come out on the field, they wave to the fans, yep. they say thank you. Yep. One player did that this year, Jerry Blevins. Everyone yes. else just left. Right. And that, to me, is, you know, indicative of the problem. It's not the problem, like, but it's indicative that things in that clubhouse are not happening. Yeah. Everybody wants to go home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be surprised, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, just the changes that are going to be yeah. coming in the organization. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Like I remember looking forward to every year, you know, when the season ended and the players, I remember, you know, for some caps. Yeah. You know. So when I was watching the same game and I had to get up and walk my dog, mm-hmm. like I saw the last out made and I paused the, the TV. I went out and walked the dog and I came back because I wanted to see that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see... The moment where the players yeah. just sort of acknowledge the fans who have stuck through. Because, you know, Mets fans, look, we're still doing this, <laughs> and this has been a disaster. Um, Mets fans are gluttons for punishment, yeah. but we love our players. Mm-hmm. We love we love the blue and orange, and we don't want to, you know, we don't want to blame the players. Um, I go, I have gone out of my way, gone out of my way, like this is a big deal. <laughs> but, like, I'll go on, on Twitter and just... You know, say something nice to a player who maybe hasn't had a good year. Just yeah. like, hey, thanks for giving it your best. Totally. Like, I appreciate your effort. Um, happy, I'm happy to root for you. Glad that you were met. Hope you come back. Um, because I know people are giving their, their best. And the fact that when I came back from walking the dog, pressed play and watched that, and again, Jerry Blevins and nobody else. Yeah. It was really jarring. Yeah. Um... Again, even at the worst of times, it just seems to be a tradition that that it's a thing between fans and players. Everybody acknowledges you're giving it your best. Even the players acknowledge, hey, you guys have stuck with us. Culture is a thing that when it's working, nobody notices, but when it's not, everyone does. Yeah. And, and, you know, but part of me is also kind of not looking forward to this because all our conversations tend to be about how do we fix it and who can we blame? Yeah. And 
that is not how things like this get fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, and to a certain extent, like how different is this than any other kind of corporate environment where you've got middle managers, you've got bosses, you've got employees where, you know, um, um, we talked about uh, beforehand uh, uh, Marco, who sends the, the great newsletter uh, for Mets fans in L.A., sent on a, a newsletter uh, yesterday or a couple days ago with some of the links to some of these stories. And he included the link to um, David Wright's reaction to these stories, which was basically to call out the players in the clubhouse. And, and this is one of my least favorite words and phrases in the English language, but basically telling them to man up. And that in his experience, Terry's door is always open. And if you've got a problem, just go in and talk to talk to him. And, and Marco made the very astute observation that for 34-year-old captain of the team, David Wright. All right, for the face of the organization. It's one thing for him to be able to go into the manager's office and tell him he has a problem or feel welcome. It's another thing if you're a 24-year-old rookie who has just joined the team Maybe, you know, English isn't even your first language and you're just trying to keep your head down and make sure that, you know, you fit in and, and belong and don't do anything wrong. That person's never going to walk into the manager's office and say that they have a problem. Yeah. And there's so many players on this year's team who don't have that track record yeah. and security, um, you know, especially over the last two months of the season. And think of how we have treated players who were young and felt like they could Speak up when they weren't happy, and I, I will say a name. And think about what your initial reaction I is know what you're gonna to Jordani Valdespin. Yes. Or Lasting's Millage. Mm-hmm. Like, you do this, especially if your skin is not white, you get branded as a malcontent yes. right away. So I think it's a little disingenuous to sort of say, just go in and talk to the manager if you have a problem, because there is there are really good reasons why people don't. Right. You know, there's the, it sort of reminds me, there's a famous Casey Stingle quote, where it's like, the key to managing is to keep the five guys who hate you away from the five guys who haven't made up their mind yet. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, David Wright is the guy who, you know, who believes in mm-hmm. Terry, and I'm sure there are some other players, but that group of five has gotten big. Right. And it's time to make a change. But when you talk about, like, culture, the Mets as an organization need to um, establish what their culture is. Are their goals to win, or are their goals to put a team on the field to economically benefit the Wilpon family? Yeah. Um, I don't mean to make comparisons between a baseball ownership group and, let's say, a, a political family. <laughs> Maybe a family who's new to politics. I'm not going to name anyone specific. Right. But I've always suspected at some point that the Wilpons are more interested in turning a profit than they are at winning. Hey, they own the team. Mm-hmm. So they're right. It's not like they're in it's not like they're in charge of the country like someone else who sure. we won't talk about. But I always feel like if it comes down to can the Mets win or can the Mets field the team Inexpensively, mm-hmm. the Wilpons are always going to go the inexpensive route. At least that's been their recent history. Yeah, you know the thing is, we sort of keep it on the cheap, and then they'll spend a little bit. Um, so, what are they going to do? Is next year going to be? We want to contend. We're going to reload. We're going to spend the money. We're going to do the work. Or are they just content to put a team on the field that maybe is going to stay competitive, keep you interested until August? 
and then just take what you can get. I, I think they're going to spend the money because if if we learned anything, it's that when the Mets win, the Wilpons make money. I know. And when the Mets lose, the Wilpons don't make money. I know. I just have no faith in yeah. in the organization. Yeah. Because they haven't shown a track record of staying the course. Yeah. It very much, the parallels between the Mets and both the New York Jets mm-hmm. and the New York Knicks. They're three organizations that rot from the top down. Yeah. Because they have an ownership group that um, is self-interested. Again, it's their money, not right. mine. I shouldn't complain, but I invest every year a lot of money and a whole lot of time into this. And why should I continue to do that if the organization and I mm-hmm. um, don't align on our priorities? Yeah. I don't do business with companies <laughs> whose priorities don't align with mine. The Mets are the notable exception to that. So I guess is the is, is, is the rule here, don't let people who've made their millions in real estate go do anything else? Huh. You know what? I think you may be right. Maybe I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a broad brush. Um, if 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 anyone out there has examples of people who have made their money in real estate and haven't turned out to be utter shits, um, write in and let us know. Yeah, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So, have you been watching any of the games towards the end of the season here? Against my better judgment, yes, I have. Yeah. Every day, I continue to tune in mm-hmm. because. It's the rhythm of my life. Yes. You know, when this season is done, I'm going to miss these jerks because <laughs> yeah, it's just much. the rhythm of my life. Yeah. It's come home. Um, you know, I, I, I've always said, like, I hear the first couple of innings on the radio via the MLB app. Then I come home and I watch the rest of the game on TV. And I enjoy hearing, you know, Howie and Josh on the radio. Yes. I enjoy tuning in to Gary, Keith, and Ron, or whatever combination of the three we get. Um, the broadcasts are still fun, regardless of the outcome on the field. Right. But, you know, I still watch, and I still try to make, um, I don't know, judgments on players. Who do I want to see back? Um, there have been a couple of things about the last couple of weeks that I've enjoyed. Who knew that I would be a big Nori Aoki fan? (laughs) He's been like, he's been a machine. He's just been like, see the ball, hit the ball. Like, who knew? Um, Boy, have I enjoyed watching Ashrul Cabrera over the last month of the year. Yeah. Just Cabrera, who's just resigned that he's going to remain on this team and has been just... Well, you know, let's 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 bring this up. Does Ashrul Cabrera's ill-fated trade request from a couple of months ago now look different? In you light know, of current, in it current, really, um, it really puts that in perspective. Yeah, and I, you know, one of the criticisms in the Carig article was also that players found out about moves and decisions from the media. Yeah. So if you're Stuel Cabrera, you're a you're a major league veteran. Um, you've you've been a part of this team now for two years. You put your body on the line for this team every day, and you find out that you're going to move to second base. From a reporter? Yeah. I'm not saying I know that's what happened, but it certainly makes me think, is that what happened? I believe a player should exercise their rights anytime sure. they have the opportunity. Um, I never had, I never, you know, I never lost any respect for Estrubal Cabrera. Um, 
but I certainly have a little more of it for him knowing what I know now and understanding that he wasn't being a malcontent. He was just standing up for himself. Yeah. 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 Um, I've, I've just, I've loved watching him play. Um, well, he seems to he seems to have a really good relationship with Ahmed Rosario. Yes. That, that Cabrera and Reyes have really kind of helped tutor Rosario, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's been nice to see. Yeah. Um, I'm really been, enjoying watching Dom Smith. You play. know, what? Dom, we may be a little divided yeah. on Dom Smith. I enjoy seeing Dom Smith's power. Yeah, but the rest of Dominic Smith's game, his defense, mm-hmm. um, needs some work. He and Rosario. I think could really benefit from um, just more time. Yeah, Rosario specifically needs to improve his play discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, he can be a great hitter. Um, he just needs to manage his strike zone better. He needs to stop chasing balls out of the strike zone. Um, I mean, this is another expectation issue. I think on on the part of Mets fans and fans in general is that we're so addicted to the story of the phenom who comes up from the minors and immediately starts raking or immediately starts dominating. Mm -hmm. And that is a very, very rare occurrence. And most of the time, even the great, great players, it takes them a couple of years at the major league level to find their stride. Yeah. There is a learning curve. You know, once you get past that initial Mm -hmm. run where where teams have a book on you, how do you adjust? How do you make it work? And I think that I'm... I'm bullish on Rosario and mm-hmm. and Smith, but keep your eyes open. What I worry about um, Dominic Smith specifically is that we have another Lucas Duda mm-hmm. on the team, streaky, yeah, um, you know, prone to striking out a lot, um, and then maybe a defensive liability. We'll see. He's a kid. We'll yeah, you know, he's got time. I still think you start the season with with Dom at first base and Amit Rosario at shortstop. And we figure it out from there. And we're going to get into that. Right. But actually, we've got a little sponsor that we've got to... Yeah, why don't we, um, why don't we hear from, uh, from uh, our final sponsor of the season? <sighs> so this episode of Flushing Transit Authority is brought to you by the brand new Season Eraser. Have you heard about Season Eraser? I have not. I, um, I got a, a, um, a sample of it that I actually have not opened yet. Okay. Um, but the thing is, Season Eraser knows that everybody can have a bad year, either in baseball or in life. Now, Season Eraser has been developed by the Mets sales department. I didn't realize that there's this whole like Mets innovation lab where they develop products. It's like huh. it's this secret laboratory. It's like Muppet Labs, but yes. at, at City Field. So the newest innovation from the Mets sales department is Season Eraser. It's a one-a-day supplement that will make you forget everything terrible about the previous year. Oh, wow. If you order Season Eraser today, you'll be ready to renew your 2018 season tickets with no memory of the 2017 season. Now, if you use the offer code TRUSTTHEPROCESS, all one word, you'll receive a 10% increase in the price of your Season Eraser offer, but you won't remember why. Try Season Eraser. Get ready for 2018 with Season Eraser. That that's really innovative. I'm gonna I'm gonna place that order right now because there are tons of things from the last year that I uh, I wanna I wanna forget. And but it also makes me wonder whether or not like the makers of Season Eraser 
could develop a, a, a complementary product called Election Racer. That would be nice. I would. I think there'd be a really, really big demand for that. I think we should really start having the talk. Yes. You know the talk. I know the talk. The talk that parents have with their children about what is the organization going to do. Yes. Let's do that. Okay. So shall we start with, let's see, there's a couple of ways we can go with this. We can either recap again the train wreck, which we don't need to do. I think we've all we've all lived with the train wreck. If, all, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you're you, still with us. You know exactly. You know what, what we're talking, talking about. about. So, so what do we do? Let's go to the let's go to the wish list. Okay. And, and you know, we started talking before about how um, it looks like they're going to be cleaning house in the coaching staff. Unfortunately, that's not going to include uh, Ray Ramirez and Mike Barwis, the strength and conditioning and, and, and trainers. But it's it's a foregone conclusion Terry Collins is not coming back. It seems like a 95% chance that Dan Worthen is not coming back. Um, it seems like Kevin Long may not be coming back. So we're looking at a new manager and potentially an entire new coaching staff, which is exciting and it's also scary. Because we were talking before about culture and culture fit. And the thing that was always a worry is you bring someone in specifically for culture reasons and their culture ideas are stupid. And I go back to Willie Randolph, like trying to do the, you know, no facial hair, short hair bullshit. And it's like, I'm not saying someone's going to come in and do exactly that. Although if they try to, I think Noah Syndergaard and Jacob deGrom and Robert Gazelman and, you know, some of the newer uh, young pitchers might have something to say about that. Um, but, like, what other, like, stupid, like, harebrained idea could some new manager come in right. and well, bring? The thing about management is that sports teams do this all the time. They go from somebody who's a player's manager to somebody who's a disciplinarian. But the question is, what was Terry Collins? Yeah. Was he a player's manager or was he a disciplinarian? I don't know. And I don't know. So Brett, how do you how do you go the other way? Now it seems to me that there is an organization wide house cleaning going on. Yes. Because there are some minor league personnel um, who have been um, who have been told they will not be coming back next season. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very good chance that Frank Viola, who's been working in the minor league system, will not be asked back to the team. So, what is the organizational sort of um, what is what is her philosophy going forward? Yeah, yeah. And, and whoever I, that person is, who's going to be the, the the manager, is going to set a lot of the tone for all of this stuff. And and which is why, like, there's been a lot of like wish lists and articles of names and throwing out names. And I honestly have no idea. I, I there is no one who I'm like, oh yeah, that's who I want. Because we're not in the clubhouse, we don't see all this stuff. I just want. Sandy to make the right choice, whatever that choice is. Yes. And again, I'm not big on managers having a giant positive impact. You just want somebody who's not going to destroy your clubhouse. And I feel like like either we want a manager who was a pitcher or catcher and someone who is really attuned to the needs of a pitching staff, or we want a manager who has a very strong relationship with a high-end guru-level pitching coach? Yeah, um, because like we, you know, it's 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 no secret that this version of the club is going to rise and fall based on its pitching, and 
you know, somebody's got to do something to get those people back on the field. Yes. And my one of my number one requests and, and sort of wish list items for a manager is a manager who can manage a bullpen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mark Riggs article also touches on this where they, they talk about they need somebody who has a bullpen philosophy. Yes. Who's got a system where it's not just go with the guy who got the outs yesterday. Yeah. Because if I were Jerry Blevins, I would have a lawsuit waiting to just press send. That being said, if memory serves correctly, Jerry Blevins is the only Mets player who has been on the roster the whole season. He never went on the DL. He is the only member of the team that started the season and is on the roster at the end. Oh, and, I, and never, I love... That never took a, a, a time off for injury. I love Jerry Blevins. Yeah. I think... He may be, like, as far yeah. as people who stayed right. on the roster, yeah. probably but my like, favorite guy this but year. But, like, at the beginning of the season, I was very, very bullish on, on Fernando Salas, mm-hmm. who they cut in June because Terry just blew his arm out. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've always joked about, not always, like, you know, we sit around <laughs> joking about these, but, you know, Dusty Baker has a reputation as a guy mm-hmm. who shredded arms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood... Who knows? Who knows? You know, you just don't know. Yeah. But with Terry Collins, there's a there's a pattern of behavior. Yeah. Where out of the bullpen, those arms just get shredded. Um, and you know, who knows? I, there's so much happened with injuries this yeah. year. I don't. I don't think that the starting pitcher's injury had anything to do with how the team was used how the players were used, but it certainly could have something to do with their conditioning. Possibly. possibly. So, um, what do we do? So, I, like I said, I don't have a, uh, like I said before, I don't have a wish list of names or I don't have any particular, like, people that I am rooting for. But I was intrigued by the news that um, the Detroit Tigers are apparently parting ways with Brad Osmus mm-hmm. as their manager. And, and that he could be an interesting fit. You know, I... My knowledge of the Tigers is yeah. limited. My knowledge of the Tigers um, largely comes from one source that may not be reliable. <laughs> um, it's your late night phone calls with Curtis Granderson, right? Is, yes. Yeah. But if you uh, if you are on Twitter, there is a uh, gentleman um, who goes by the Twitter username, and I love this username of Space Monkey Mafia. <laughs> um, I highly recommend. Look up Space Monkey Mafia on Twitter. He is a giant Tigers fan mm-hmm. and not a fan of Brad Osmus. Oh, okay. Um, All right. And I respect his opinion on, on baseball things, Yeah. Um, even though he is hilariously, brilliantly <laughs> over the top about it. Okay. Um, not a fan of Osmus, and I guess I have to dig, dig deeper than, hey, that one guy who I follow on right. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so my initial reaction is, yeah, that one guy who I don't really know very well says no. But at this point, I want let's pick a manager right. and then figure out. Yeah, I mean, I hope they pick make a decision quickly. Yes. Um, and for the love of Pete, I hope whoever they pick has a good working relationship with Sandy Alders. Like, can we yes. get past the like manager and the GM are like not on the same page? Like, it's just so frustrating. Well, at least you can sort of take some solace in the idea that at least in year one, 
yeah. they're going to go into it on the same page because the GM is making that higher. Can I can I tell you my my fear? Can I tell you my fear? Sure. And and, and it's a two word fear, and I'm going to say these two words, and, and I'm going to watch your physical reaction to these okay. two words. These two words are art how. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's a it's a visual cue. You yeah. can't see that's, this. That's that's what I'm afraid of. But we're I take somebody and we're going to go. What? Yeah. Like what? Yes. Um, yeah. Arhal was an uninspired choice. You know, the Mets have had other managers who have been unsuccessful, but at the time of the hire, they made sense. Yeah. This, um, that, that never made any that sense. That never did. All right. So we've talked about the the coaching staff and the manager. Let's 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 move to the players. Oh, I have opinions on this. So I, I'm going to renew my call for something that I mentioned a few, uh, a few episodes ago. Um, it's still not a done deal. The paperwork is not all completely signed, but all indications coming out of South Florida is that when the Derek Jeter group takes over ownership of the Marlins, there will be a fire set. And we've already talked about, you know, the the potential of Giancarlo Stanton. And, yeah, if you can get Giancarlo Stanton, get Giancarlo Stanton. Not I doubt it's going to happen. But I am going to renew my call that the Mets do everything in their power to get Christian Yelich. And Marcel Ozuna. Well, Ozuna's a left fielder. Yes. Right? So, like, I mean, the reason the reason Yelich is so attractive is that he's a natural center fielder who can hit, can play defense, and we can finally get rid of these stupid outfield configuration problems that have been plaguing us for years. Yes. Like, I want a center fielder who, you know, is a center fielder. And mm-hmm. I can't think of another one that is going to be available that is better than Christian Yelich. I agree with you. Um, and let's get D Gordon while we're at it. And you, you get, you get, you put Yelich in center field. You put Gordon at second base. You let Rosario kind of Rosario and Smith can like, you know, take the time to develop that they're going to need. That to me solves so many of our of our um, on the field problems in yeah. one fell swoop. Now, is that remotely feasible? Who knows? But when the Marlins have a fire sale, it generally benefits the Mets. Yes. The question you have to ask is, who do we have to give up? What we have is injured pitchers and Ioannis Cespedes. Yeah. So do you move Cespedes and a starting pitcher for Yelich? Well, the Marlins won't. The Marlins won't want to take on Cespedes. Of course not. They'll want. They'll want. Cheap prospects, yes, or you know, cheap one to two year uh, major league players that they can plug in and not have to worry right. about paying. team control. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Like, like with anything, you, you never know what the other team needs. But if there's any way to make that work, that to me is sort of the wild card of the offseason. If the Marlins are, are ripping the team apart, um, then you got to do your best to, to exploit that. Mm-hmm. Now, if that doesn't happen, what are some other options? Well, you know, there's a couple of things. We've talked about this off the air. There are a couple of places where the Mets, I think, are set for opening day next year. And we've talked about, we're going to have Dom Smith start the season at first base. We're going to have Rosario start the season um, at short I Cespedes think, and left. Cespedes and left. I think that the late season performance of Travis Darno and Kevin Ploiecki means... Has solidified the catching. Yes. Yeah. So I think we start the season with 
Darno is the starter, Ploiecki is the backup. And I will go you one further. I think it's fairly safe to say that we start the season with Estrubal Cabrera at third base. Yes. Because with the ongoing uncertainty on whether or not David Wright is ever coming back, they can't move on to a, a another A-level third baseman like a Mike Moustakis or a Todd Frazier. Yes. So Cabrera is the perfect caretaker. So if we're talking wish list, yeah. we're talking pie-in-the-sky wish list, this is going to be a double episode if we do that. <laughs> yeah. Pie-in-the-sky wish list, here's what I wish happens yeah. in the offseason, is that the Mets negotiate a buyout with David Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, David Wright has meant a lot to me as a fan, has meant so much to this organization. I mean no disrespect to David Wright. Um, I hope David Wright finds a way to continue his major league career. Um, I just think that, as you said, the Mets are stuck until they can do something. Now, as someone who advocates for players' rights, David Wright should not give up money that is owed to him. Yes. He signed a contract in good faith. He should be paid that money. Wish list, though, negotiate a buyout. Right. Bring Keep David Wright in the organization as the face of the organization. I was listening to the Meet the Mets cast this week, and they were mentioning how the, um, the Minnesota Twins have kept um, Michael Kadire and Tori Hunter on their payroll as kind of player consultants. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of neat. Like, yeah. I hadn't heard of that before. That's yeah. pretty cool. Um, and especially when we're talking about a young, a now young Mets clubhouse with a lack of veteran leadership, like having a couple of ex-players around who can sort of serve that role, but not have the role of official coaches, but just can be a resource that, I mean, that seems like a perfect role for David Wright. Um, I, I think the odds of that happening are really, really, really slim. I, I unless he has another setback in his rehab. He has to make the decision. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to force him right. into it, but wish list, it'll be great. Yeah. Other wish list type things. Here's a I I've been making a list. <laughs> um R.A. Dickey. R.A. Dickey. R.A. Dickey. Yeah. One year contract. Yeah. Innings eater. Yeah. Look, we're both big fans of R.A. Just having him in there as a as a veteran, innings eater, um, back of the rotation. I, I I get what you're saying, and I wouldn't be unhappy if that were to happen. My concern there is strictly because he's a knuckleball pitcher, and with knuckleball pitchers, there are sometimes just days where they don't have it. And if if we if we are signing somebody solely to be an innings eater, that's the exact opposite of what we need. Okay. We need someone who we, we're not going to have a. a worry about that at all. I hear you, and I don't disagree with you, mm-hmm. but how is that any different than Rafael Montero? That's that's, now, that's true. let's also give credit. Montero has shown some flashes this year. Montero should go into spring training with a start with a chance to be in the starting yes. rotation. Yes. I look at next year as your starting rotation is Jacob deGrom is your number one starter. Maybe he and Syndergaard are one and, you know, one A. But your starting rotation next year is DeGrom, Syndergaard, and what else? And what else? Yeah. And you don't know. You don't know. As we learned this year, you can never have too many options as as starting pitcher. I feel like we haven't, like, I don't even want to talk about Matt Harvey yeah, that's a really hard, but, hard one. Yeah. I mean, I feel so badly 
for Matt. I do and, as well. And I mean, he's going to be back next year. They're going to give him every every chance to put it back together. I'm a fan um, of, and I hope it works. I'm a believer in, and they're not going to do this, but the Mets should non-tender Matt Harvey. You think? I think so. I think that for two reasons: one, performance, health. Mm-hmm. Do you want to invest money in somebody whose recent track record, two seasons now, has not been able to stay on the field, and when he's on the field, is ineffective? Injuries are a factor. I understand that. My bigger concern with Matt Harvey is what goes on um, with Matt Harvey, not between the lines, but between the ears. I don't know Matt Harvey, but read the Mark Kerrig, um article and talk about players sort of being checked out. Mm-hmm. Matt Harvey sort of disappearing on the team earlier this season um, isn't a good sign. Um, you know, there are lots of whispers about Matt Harvey, which I don't know that any of them are true. But what you hear if you keep your ear to the ground like I do, because I'm a, an obsessive weirdo about these things, <laughs> is Matt Harvey is maybe more interested in sort of the perks of being a Major League Baseball player than he is being a Major League Baseball player. Now, that's an outsider's... Right. I think the truth is probably closer to, hey, he's just struggling and people project... But a change of scenery, not being in New York, is probably the best thing for Matt Harvey. Maybe. I think I think it's still too early to make that call. And I think because we, the team still has them under control for one more year. Okay. Um, I think uh, with arbitration, his salary will go up to something like 9 or $10 million next year, which seems like a lot of money to us. Of course. But if you have to go out on the open market and sign a pitcher to take that spot you're going to be spending 10, 11, 12 million dollars. So from a risk perspective, you bring him back, you give him half the season, one of three things will happen. He'll continue to be terrible, in which case you just, you know, eat the money and mm-hmm. and, and let him go. Um, he rediscovers the dark night mm-hmm. and then you have Matt Harvey back for not a lot of money. Or he, you know, becomes a moderately effective to, you know, good pitcher and has some value and you trade him in the middle of the season. Okay. Um, But if you let him go now, what happens if you let him go now and he goes somewhere else and he rediscovers? As As my mother used to say to me when I would say, what if? She would say, what if Eleanor Roosevelt could fly? Eleanor Roosevelt couldn't fly? No. Wow. Okay. My, my mom would say, what if Eleanor Roosevelt could fly? That's that's going to that's readjust a lot of my understanding of, uh, of, of, of mid-century American history. And I don't know where she okay. got that from. Okay. But Matt Harvey is Eleanor Roosevelt right. in this situation. And yeah. so, I mean, the pitching is just, you know, I mean, they're going to bring in an innings eater, whether or not it's R.A. or, or someone else. They're going to, it sounds like they're going to stockpile bullpen arms. I would bring Addison Reed back. I would get him, yeah. I would I would ha- go with a three-headed bullpen of Familia Ramos and Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this will depend somewhat on what manager they hire and what his bullpen philosophy is. Um, but they really need another impact player on the field. Yes. Um, One last thing on Matt Harvey. Oh, yeah. I agree with everything you're saying, mm-hmm. but... When you look at the numbers, Matt Harvey has averaged fewer than five innings per start. Yeah, I, I, I honestly believe that you can't look at any 
any of the data from this year because that surgery is still relatively experimental. Mm -hmm. And there's just no body of knowledge um, on what to expect. And so this may just be part of the normal recovery process for it. It may be. Yeah. Um, but you can get you can get that level of performance for the major league minimum. Yeah. And if Matt Harvey wasn't Matt Harvey, if we hadn't pinned our hopes on Matt Harvey in 2012 and 2013, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We would be saying, non-tender this guy and move on. It's one of those situations where the nickname mm-hmm. sort of gives you yeah, a, maybe. A, a sort of an inflated sense of importance. Maybe. I mean, I, I still think he'll be back next year and his leash will be relatively short. Yeah, I just feel like and a new start for him is yeah. what he needs. Um, but, you know, apart from the pitching, which is going to be, I mean, it's going to, no matter what they do on the field, the pitching is going to decide what happens next year and it's all health related. Yeah. So there's really nothing we can we as, can look to at this point. Just as far as wait. to your point of getting another impact player. Yes. Obviously the Marlins future could impact that. Um, my other kind of wish list item is what if we bring Neil Walker back? Is Neil Walker an impact player? So this is this is part of the this is part of the issue with David Wright gumming things up. Because yeah. because you can't move on from David Wright, you need a third baseman who can be good enough to play every day, and then if Wright comes back, you can shift somewhere else to second base. Um, if you also bring Neil Walker back, then there's nowhere to, to, to move that person right. around. And, and while Neil is a is a fine player, um, I feel like we need someone who's a bigger, bigger impact. And yes. unfortunately, it seems like if we're committed to Rosario and Smith at first and short, the only place for this person is center field. Yeah. Um, unless you go right field and, you know, force Conforto when he comes back to keep playing in center field. Yeah. Which would not be my, you know, first choice, but, you know, you don't get to have everything. Yeah. Now, the wild card in all of this for me is Brandon Nimmo. I, I like Brandon Nimmo. I think he's um, he's a solid player. He's a solid player. I think you get to you get to go to battle with either one of Juan Lagares and Brandon Nimmo. I think if the Mets have both of them on the roster and one of them is starting, they've got problems. Um, they're both fine players, but you need the like the marquee person that that those people can back up. We're going to recheck this next. Yeah. I remain bullish on Brandon Nimmo. Mm-hmm. I think that um, his on base percentage is terrific. His plate discipline is really good. I think he will hit with more power as he develops. I think he's got solid gap power. He's not going to be a 30-home run guy. But I look at him as a hitter actually in that sort of Keith Hernandez mode Mm -hmm. with gap power, um, high on base percentage, who's going to hit a couple of home runs for you. Who on the roster that we are currently thinking of as locks for next year would you trade in the right deal? I would trade Ioannis Cespedes tomorrow if I could get returns for him. Mm-hmm. Because I feel that Ioannis Cespedes' future is as a designated hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Yo. I He's still, when he's healthy, I stop and watch his at-bats. He is a joy to watch at the plate, 
in the field, mm-hmm. everywhere. I just do not think he can remain healthy and on the field for 150 games. Um, I would, and I know he doesn't want to do this. I know he has said from the day he got here, he wants to play the outfield every day. But I would trade Cespedes. I think he is the most valuable chip they have outside of you know, Noah Syndergaard, mm-hmm. who they're, or Jacob deGrom, who yeah. they're, not they're not likely to move. Yeah. No. Um, but I would trade Cespedes today for another outfielder. Yeah, there's a couple right. of combinations that I would do it for. Um, my friend uh, Anthony, who I've talked about, he, he and I talk Mets all the time. Um, we should probably have him join us here one of these days. His idea is, do you trade Cespedes and maybe a Steven Matz for that Yelich or Ozuna? Now, it may feel like, hey, you're giving up a lot, mm-hmm. but yeah. not really. You're shedding some salary in, in that, there. In that same vein, I think, if you if you have an opportunity to make a deal for someone who is great, you have to consider trading Dumpsmith. Yeah. Um, not to take anything away from Dom and not to, you know, counteract anything that Trent told me um, that I talked about in the last uh, in the last episode, but you have to give something to get something. Yes. And, and first basemen are easier to find easier to, Yes, first basemen are easier to replace. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would, I would, if the right deal came along, like let's say you can swing a deal for a Christian Yelich that is built around Dom Smith. Like, I would considered making that deal and then going and re-signing Jay Bruce and putting him at first base. Yeah. Like, that to me makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, if And if that doesn't happen and, you know, we start the season with Dom as our first baseman, that's great, too. Yes. Um, okay. So, it's going to be a long offseason. There are going to be a lot of changes in store. But before that happens, there's there's actually a, a, a postseason um, that's going to happen that the Mets are not going to be involved in. Um, but for the first time in a really long time, I'm actually looking forward to a non-Mets-related postseason. I think this is going to be really interesting uh, playoffs. I agree with you. Um, any predictions? I think, I mean, this isn't, you know, groundbreaking or anything, but, you know, I think all signs point to Dodgers-Indians in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um and that's going to be that's going to be a tough tough one because we're going to be you know it's the Curtis Granderson versus Jay Bruce yes and and you know probably line up with the Dodgers as we've you know previously talked about but um, you know I want the Dodgers to do well I want the Indians to do well because uh, of um, of Jay Bruce I want the Twins to go far for Bartolo. Um, it would be really wonderful to see the Houston Astros. Yeah, like, if you take our you Mets know? fandom out of it, there are a lot of teams to yeah. root for. Yeah, I mean, how can you look at? You know, I know they haven't locked it up yet, but Colorado. Yeah, Colorado's fun. Yeah, Arizona's fun. Yeah, um, Cleveland is a lot of fun. I probably watched more Cleveland games over the last month than um, than Mets games at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Is there a ton of? I could watch Corey Kluber. You imagine getting in a postseason series and having, you know, Corey Kluber and Chris Sale mm. of the Red Sox facing off head to head, or imagine like Corey Kluber, Clayton Kershaw, Game One of the World Series. Like I would, that would make this whole year worthwhile. Um, you know, is this the year that Kershaw has a solid yeah. postseason? Okay. You know, I think looking at his postseason history, small sample size, Kershaw 
Kershaw, if he retired today as a Hall of Famer, um, Kershaw is the best, um, probably the best starting pitcher that we've seen in the last decade. Yeah. If okay. not, if not even more than that. He's yeah. and you know. We live in L.A., but because of the TV deal, we don't get to see him. Right. So I think if you haven't been to a Dodgers game where Kershaw was starting, you don't get how good he is. Yeah. I went to a game earlier this year, and people talk about you know the length of baseball games. I went to an afternoon game, and it was 105 degrees. <laughs> and it was brutal, but Kershaw threw strikes, and the game was over in two hours and five minutes. Wow. And it was the best. I was like, great, game's over. I got time for lunch. Nice. So, so the things that I want from this postseason, I want the Dodgers to go deep, I want the Indians to go deep, I want the Yankees to lose the um, wild card game, obviously. Yes. Um, I want the Nats to go deep, but ultimately lose, remember, because this is the plan to right, hire right. them out for next year. Yes. Right? I'm not giving up on that. Like, like let them go deep, let them burn out their, their pitching. Yes. Uh, so they, they are uh, they're, they're, um, tired at the start of next year. And, you know, let's, 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 I think we're going to have some good games. I think we are. And it's weird because, like, the Cubs are the defending champions somehow coming into this postseason as underdogs. Yeah. So, you know, we, we're in a very likely situation, you know, I think there's, the matchup's already set. We're going to end up with um, the Cubs and the Nationals yeah. facing off in a series, yeah. which could go all five games. It's going to be a great matchup. The winner of the wild card, you know, between Colorado and Arizona is going to go up against the Dodgers. And either of those teams, especially Arizona, mm-hmm. will give the Dodgers a run for their mm-hmm. money. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's National League is, I think, as great as the Dodgers have been, the National League is wide open. Yep. And in the American League, as great as um, Cleveland has been, you just feel like law of averages. They can't continue playing <laughs> at this pace. Yeah. So what do you, you know, and it's up for grabs. Yeah. And it's just sort of who's got a hot hand that day, um, who's going to be, who's going to come through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I will, I just want to mention, um, our buddy Curtis Granderson, mm-hmm. um, I know he struggled a bit at the plate as a Dodger, but where he has not struggled is working with the community. Oh, yeah? Um, Curtis Granderson is already super active here in uh, promoting youth baseball. Nice. And... Um, going down to um, the baseball academy, mm. um, you know, in LA and working with kids. Um, my friend and neighbor um, Bridget, who is a Mets fan and a big Curtis Granderson fan, got to meet him recently. Wow. Got a chance to go to um, the baseball academy. Oh, nice! And see him with kids um, and see see the work he does. Mm. And see him signing autographs for kids on a day on a game day. Wow! Like he just you know last Saturday before the game was down there working with kids, um, and I am you. We all know I am I am in the bag for Curtis Granderson, but he is he, he has not lost his uh, his community service bat speed. I don't Good. know if that's a phrase anybody uses. Well, I just it is made now. it up. It is now. Community but service bat speed. That's going to be the latest, latest rage in sabermetrics next year. That is going uh, to be that Also one. the title of this episode. <laughs> and, but I'm really happy to see um, that he has continued to just sort of spread goodness wherever he goes. And I wish him well in this postseason. Let's get a ring for Curtis. Let's have a good time. So let's talk a little bit about 
our future. We are um, we're going to uh, this is going to be the final podcast for the 2017 season. Yes. Um, so in two weeks, if you if, if you're one of our handful of diehard listeners, and there's no new uh, pod in a couple of weeks, that that you know that is by design. Um, I, re- I recommend if you're looking for other Mets news, one of my favorites is the Good Fundies mm-hmm. podcast. That's fun. Um, they do good work. Good. If you haven't heard their stuff, go back and listen. And I think you know we're we're gonna we'll be back in the spring. Uh, I'm not gonna say that if something major happens over the hot stove season, we won't decide to like throw a pod together because yeah, something we may, needs to be uh, talked about. We may do something around winter meetings yeah. time. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, maybe we should. Where are the winter meetings this I, year? I do not know. I want to do one live from the winter meetings? I think if you know, there was one year years ago where the winter meetings, it was either the winter meetings or the the GM meetings were being held in Anaheim, and I just just like drove down and Let's like hung out in the lobby just to, just that. to soak it up. Um, yeah, so I don't know where those meetings are this year, but if they're down here, maybe we'll do a live pod. Um, but other than that, we're gonna we're gonna hibernate for the winter. Yeah. Um, um, I'm actually looking into doing a. Um, a cryogenic freeze uh, to the Ted Williams um, estate has been working on a product where you can, you know, at the end of uh, the day after the World Series, you can go into a cryo freeze chamber and they huh. freeze you for the off season. Oh, I got and then when you, uh, when you um, when when spring training starts, they thaw you out and they do a really nice job of compiling all the news that you missed, so you can like leisurely over your coffee as you come back to. To, to life, you can start reading through all the stuff that has happened, so you can be up to speed for the start of next season. So I'm considering doing that. Um, Looking forward to that. Yeah, I want to just say thank you, um, Jay, to you. Um, you have been the sort of driving force behind us doing this. Um, uh, thank you for convincing me to do this. <laughs> um, we had been talking about doing this for a couple of years, and I'm glad we finally have. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank everybody who has listened. Um, Everybody who has joined us here, um, you know, as as guests, it's really appreciated. Um, this has been a grind of a season, but doing this has made it a lot of fun, um, and I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, me too. Th- thanks again. Thanks to you, Will, and 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 thanks to everyone who's who's listened. Um, uh, before we sign off, we we also want to say again um, that um, we're going to put the link in the show notes to the post about organizations to help the people of Puerto Rico. Um, uh, please uh, donate something, whether or not it's money or, or goods or, or something. Um, you know, there, I think the, 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 there's an old line about how there are more Puerto Ricans in New York than there are in San Juan. Um, and so, um, you know, they're part of the family. Yeah, so let's the, make sure that, that they're safe. The important thing to remember, and I think that, some people forget this, is that the people of Puerto Rico are American citizens. Yes. And they deserve the same rights and protections and assistance that we would give to any other American citizen. Um, So again, do what you can. Give. Spread the word. Be good to people. Yes. Do it for Carlos Delgado. All right. And on that note, we're going to sign off for 2017, and let's uh, hope that the next time you hear our voices... They're full of cheer and optimism and looking forward to a rosy 2018. Here is to 2018 and better days. And let's, for 2017, let's put it in the books.